0: Thanks, Sue and Peter, for reading God's word for us. Uh, Let's pray now as we come to hear it preached. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for not being silent but speaking to us. Uh, We thank you for the truth we read in these pages. And Father, we pray as we hear that you would give us understanding by your spirit so that we might know you better and, above all things, know our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, being certain of Him. Having salvation for eternity. Pray do this work in us now as we hear and for your glory. Amen. Well, welcome again. My name is David, one of the staff here at church. Really great to be with you. I love it. Uh, Hello to those as well on the live stream. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Now we are in the beginning of Luke's Gospel. Uh, We're doing this series on Luke 1 to 9. We're still in the beginning section, uh, looking at the stories of Jesus and John. Last week we looked at Jesus in the beginning of John's uh, Luke's Gospel, this week looking at John, uh, John the Baptist. Now, you might be surprised, as I was, uh, that some people still follow John the Baptist today. Does that surprise you? Uh, they're called the Mandaeans. They believe that John is the greatest and final prophet, um, not Jesus. And there's, there's not heaps of them, there's about a 100,000 worldwide, but interestingly... There's a large population in Western Sydney uh, and they have a temple down at Wallachia and that's the Nepean River. So there you go, um, close to home. And and in some ways, I can understand why people might follow John the Baptist. Um, for For one reason, Jesus, talking about John, said he was the greatest human being ever. Jesus had high praise for John. And in Jesus' day, there were people who even thought, John the Baptist might be the Messiah, as we heard this morning. Some even thought later on, uh, after John had died, that Jesus was actually John the Baptist raised from the dead. Uh, So we had lots of followers, and I can understand why people still follow him today. But at the same time, uh, I still find it really hard to understand, maybe as you do, uh, because John himself was someone who would point people to Jesus and say, follow him. All right, so when in the Gospels we read when people started following Jesus, even John's disciples, uh, John didn't protest. He said, no, that's good. Jesus must increase, I must decrease. And so it's hard for me to understand people that say they follow John, but they don't listen to what John says. Now, as you think about that, we shouldn't be too quick to judge them uh, because I think all of us uh, in some way have a problem listening to what John says. Uh, Many people today still do not listen to John. Uh, They don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, like he said. Right, not just the Mandeans, but other religions, they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, Even people that tick no religion on the census, uh, they're not listening to John either, because they don't believe that Jesus is Lord, like John said. But even people maybe like us who, yeah, we believe in Jesus, like we might still have a listening to John problem as well, right? Because as you think about John, what do you know about him? I think a lot of Christians would say, yeah, John came before Jesus. Uh, we know that. We also know John's diet pretty well, locusts, wild honey. Am I right? But, but what else do we know about John? What, why was John so important? Why did? all four of the gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John they all have John at the beginning I think for many of us if we got you know the pair of scissors and and cut John out of the start of the gospels uh, we probably think oh we're not we're not losing that much I I can be okay with that but why did God think it was so important for John to come first Uh, why is John in in our bibles It's because God has a word to say to us through John. He has things to teach us. And so it's important that we listen uh, to the things that God is saying to us through John. So we're going to do that today. That's what we're doing as we look at Luke. Uh, There's those two passages we've read we're going to look at. um, And this is the outline for today. Uh, As we look at uh, these passages, we ought to be people who rejoice in God's purposes through John, uh, but also people who repent at God's word through John. So firstly, have you got your Bibles open to Luke one we We'll start there. So we saw last week how Luke 1 to 2 is like this Disney musical, right? There's just singing everywhere. It's very happy. Uh, and so here is another song today. This is Zechariah, John's father. Uh, and this is after John's birth. Uh, but first, I think a bit of background helps us as we come to this. Uh, Zechariah was quite old and his wife was old and they were childless Uh, And that is when uh, the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah with good news that he would have a son who would prepare the way for the Lord. And what did Zechariah do? Didn't believe the angel Gabriel. Uh, If you are ever visited by an angel, good thing to believe what they say, all right? Because what happened to Zechariah was his his mouth was shut. He was unable to speak until John was born nine months later. Uh, He had some time to think, obviously, and so the first thing he does when he opens his mouth again is he sings a song of praise to God. That's what we have here, a song of praise to God. Now, it's interesting because I think you'll know that most new parents, when they have a baby, uh, all they can talk about is the baby. Uh, if you're a fan of Seinfeld, you'll know you've got to see the baby, okay? Um, but it's just, it's just the most important thing in the world. When you have a child, it's, it's all you can talk about what does Zechariah talk about here? As, as he sings a song of praise, he doesn't begin by talking about John. He begins by talking about Jesus. You notice this? Have a look at verse 68. We'll read from there. Uh, Zechariah says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. So he's talking about Jesus here. As we saw last week, uh, Jesus is that promised king in the line of David. He was the one that was promised long ago through the prophets. Uh, he is, the, as it says there, the horn of salvation, or just, in other words, the power of salvation. That's who Jesus is. And Zechariah praises God for this king that he knows is about to be born. Right? And it's only then, after this, this praise of, of God for Jesus, that he turns to John. Uh, He turns to John, he says this, he says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. So here's the connection. Jesus is God's promised king, uh, but John is God's promised prophet who prepares the way for the promised king. And so John was, uh, you you might know that quote that we read out in chapter 3. John is the one promised in Isaiah 40. He is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Uh, That is John's job. He is the one who prepares the way for the promised king. Uh, It made me think about that that massive airport that's uh, getting built out of Western Sydney. A huge project. If you've driven past it, you'll know. Uh, But one of the the massive things on it is this runway, 3.7 kilometres of runway, Uh, one of the biggest. uh, Dead straight, dead flat, clear ground, uh, so planes can come from all over the world and come to the wondrous place of Western Sydney and they can enjoy the sights with us. Um, It's a huge project, but this is a way to think about John. John has this massive project, this huge privilege, this great job to prepare the world for the coming of Jesus. Jesus coming to the world. John is clearing the way, preparing the way for him. Right, it's, and, and the greatness of John's job is connected to the greatness of Jesus. Jesus is bringing salvation. John is preparing the world for salvation through Christ. And you can see there, what is this salvation that he's preparing people for? Well, it's this. It's He's preparing them to give them the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of of their sin. Now, this would have been surprising to people uh, in Jesus' day. Um, they were sort of thinking salvation for God's people meant uh, the overthrowing of the government. Right? They were under Roman uh, authority and occupation, and so they thought salvation's gonna mean us overthrowing the government, establishing the kingdom of Israel. That's, that's what God's salvation's gonna do. Right, but they didn't realize there was actually a greater salvation that they needed that God was bringing through Jesus. That is the salvation from sin. right? Sin that separates them from God and leaves them under his wrath is a greater problem than the Romans being there. And so Jesus is great because he comes to save people from their sins. John is great because he is the one that prepares the way for him. This is God's purpose for John in his great plans. To prepare people for salvation that is coming in Christ. And so that's why Zechariah rejoices, you can see there, because this is good news. And so when we think about John in the place of God's purposes, we should rejoice too. John should cause joy for God's people. And I know you're probably thinking, hey, Dave, you made this point last week about joy? Are you doing it again? I'm encouraged by the Apostle Paul who said to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Okay, so we want to say it again, uh, following Paul. Rejoice. Right? Rejoice in John, uh, you know, not John himself, uh, but John's place in God's purposes, preparing the way for the Lord. Uh, what a wonderful thing God has done for his people in John. Now, look, Zechariah, he made the mistake of not rejoicing in, in John, not rejoicing in God's plans. He had some time to think about it, and then he got it right. And he did rejoice in God's purposes through John. And even John, when John grew up, he knew his place. And he had joy in Jesus, massive joy. When he saw Jesus, he said, my joy is now complete. Right? And the question for us is, as we think about John and, and, and him pointing us to Jesus, is Jesus then the greatest joy in our life? Uh, Is he the greatest thing that's ever happened to our world and in our lives? Because that is actually the proper place for him. And that is what John is pointing us to. John wants us to rejoice in Jesus, rejoicing God's purpose through John. And another thing that John gets us to do or to think about is, is that we should also be people who repent at God's word through John. So uh, John grew up, and we're going to jump forward now about 30 years, almost 30 years, and we hear John preaching. Uh, well, before that, this is what happens. Uh, and, and just a quick note, Luke gives us that wonderful little passage to say, this happened in this world in history. <laughs> it was hard to read out, thank you, Pete. Uh, but Luke's saying, this happened in this place. Uh, so it's during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So John sort of grew up in the wilderness eating the locusts and wild honey. The thing that drove him out of the wilderness into the public was the word of God came to John. John, the prophet of God, preaches the word of God. And so he comes into the public preaching uh, It says there, he went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Right, so, this is actually how John prepared people for the coming of Jesus, it's by preaching repentance. And what is repentance? A good way to think of it is a change of mind that causes a change in behaviour. Well, you might have heard people talking about turning around, doing a 180. Uh, that, that's a good way to think about repentance. Uh, one example was I, was I had repentance this week. I was driving to school uh, with the kids, driving them to school. Uh, we were nearly there, and one of them said, I forgot my laptop, right? There's the one thing you need for school. They forgot that. So, you know, I did the 180 and started going back the other way to get the laptop, right? That's, that's repentance, change of mind, complete change in behaviour. Right? John called people to repent, Right? And, and for people, it's, it's acknowledging, I'm going the wrong way. I, I am sinning. I'm not, I'm not worshipping God like I should. I've got to turn around, and go the other way. Right? I need forgiveness. I need, I need a change of mind, leads to a change of life. So that's what John was preaching to the people. But I think really, this, this, is, this is the point that us and a lot of people have trouble listening to John. Right? Because repentance is a, is a very hard word. About, about your life and the way you're heading. Well, have a look at, at John's preaching now. Tell me if this is a hard word. John said to the crowds, coming out to be baptised by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Right, if you had John at your church? Don't put him on welcoming. All right. Sammy did a good job this morning for us. Didn't call him a brood of vipers. Welcome to church. Right? People think John was this kind of cranky Old Testament prophet preaching the wrath of God, but he wasn't. They sort of think John was preaching that, and then Jesus came along and he preached the love of God, and it was very different, and kind of John got it wrong a bit. But look at what Luke says later. He wants us to know they're preaching the same thing. Because he says here, with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. John preached good news, just like Jesus preached good news. This is part of the good news. Repentance from sin, salvation from the wrath of God, that's good news. And so part of preparing people for salvation is warning them about judgment. And that's what John was doing. When he saw people coming who were just not prepared for the coming of the Lord, not prepared for his judgment, uh, that concerned him. And so he would say things like this, verse 8. John said, Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So, people coming to John, they're sort of assuming, yeah, we're okay with God. We're just coming to check out what John's saying. Um, Because, you know, we're we're physical descendants of Abraham. We are safe. We are secure just by our birthrights. They thought salvation for them was just automatic. But John's saying, no, it's it's not. Everyone is a sinner, everyone needs forgiveness, everyone must repent. Everyone must prepare themselves for the coming of the Lord, for his salvation, but also for his judgment. And so, of course, this is a, this is a good thing to ask in response to that. What do I do? Right? That's what the crowd asked. They asked John, well, what do we do? And so John gave them examples of repentance, okay, a, a change of life. He says, you have two shirts, uh, share with someone who has none. Do the same with your food as well. Uh, to the tax collectors... Don't uh, collect more than you're required. To the soldiers, don't extort people for money. Be content with your pay. Right, that's that's the repentance that you see in people's life. Right, that change of mind leads to a change of behaviour. Right, and what John's doing is preparing people for the coming of Jesus, because Jesus is the one who's going to bring salvation. And John's saying, we need to be ready for that. Repent for the forgiveness of sins that Jesus is going to bring. Uh, let's get ready for that. Now, of course, uh, this is the point where people start to ask the question, man, is John the Messiah? Like, he, he is a powerful preacher. Is, is, is John the Messiah? And John answers them and he says, I baptise you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In other words, I'm not the Messiah. He's coming, though. Right, John is great, but his job was to point us to the greater one. Right, look, look, at, what, look at the way John thinks about Jesus. This is challenging to us. Look at the way John thinks about Jesus. He, he says, the strap of his sandal I'm not worthy to untie that was the lowest job of the lowest slave like no one would do that and John says I'm not even worthy to do that for Jesus and this is the one who is coming this is the one we're waiting for and John was the one appointed by God to prepare the way for him right so people might rejoice that he's coming but also be ready for him and be repentant and ready for the salvation that he brings So that's that's John uh, in Luke's Gospel. But then we think about where we sit today in this time. Uh, What will it mean for us to listen to God's word through John? What will it mean for us? Well, of course, you know, what John was preparing people for has come. Uh, The world has seen the salvation of God through Jesus, uh, through his death and resurrection. He saved us from sin. He saved us from death, saved from the wrath of God. Jesus has brought forgiveness to all who repent and believe in him. That that has happened. Today is the day of salvation, Paul calls it. But there is another day coming, a day of judgment. That is when Jesus returns as judge. And John wanted to tell people about this as well, even back then. So Luke 3.17. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now you don't need to be a farmer to know uh, that's a picture of judgment. Right? You don't need to be a farmer to know that you'd rather be the wheat in the barn than the chaff that is being burned. You so, see, so see what John did for people was he prepared them for Jesus' first coming. Uh, but what he does for us today is actually prepares us for Jesus' second coming. Uh, hopefully uh, you might be one of those people, persons who is reading that, that book we've been encouraging people to read, How to Read the Bible Better. Anyone reading that book? Anyone reading How to Read the Bible Better, one of those books we've got? Come on. I thought there was someone here that would be. Okay, you have to get that today from the Grow Book table. Uh, Richard Chin, who wrote that, he, one of the points he makes is the Bible is written for us who are on the edge of eternity, right? The Bible's written for us who are living on the edge of eternity, so we might be ready for eternity. And so the question today is are you ready for that? Are you prepared? Now, the HSC is coming up, um, and I remember my HSC a while back, and for some reason I was doing physics in the HSC. I don't know why. I was really bad at physics, so my dad got me this tutor. Tutor came in, first session, just want to get a gauge of how much do you know about physics. Uh, and to say he was shocked at how little I knew would, be, would not be an overstatement. He, he was shocked. Uh, as shocked as any tutor could be with any student, I think. And, and he was shocked because he couldn't believe this guy's about to do a HSC physics exam. He doesn't know anything. I, just, I, did, I did OK in the end. Um, but, but this is the shock that we should have. It is with how many people are not ready, not prepared for the coming of Jesus. So many people are not prepared for that, uh, assuming they are right with God just because of who they are or what they have done or some other reason. Right? Do not assume that you are right with God unless uh, you have listened to this word from God through John. Uh, unless you are someone who has rejoiced in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, you have loved his appearing, and you are someone who has repented uh, of your sin, believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and come to him for forgiveness, Uh, that is someone who's prepared. That is someone who is certain. That's someone who's ready for the coming of the Lord. Uh, John is someone who can prepare us for that. Uh, Because John is great, no doubt. But his greatness is how he prepares us for the coming of the Lord uh, and his second coming as well. And so, what's wonderful about uh, the rest of Luke as we go through is, is the beginning kind of finishes with John, uh, and then we follow Jesus. Uh, we see Jesus. And so, as we, as we come now for the rest of Luke to, to see Jesus, just think about these things as we're going through. As we see Jesus, uh, will we rejoice in him? And as we hear the things that Jesus says to us, will we we be those people who repent of our sin and believe in him as we hear his word? Because we want to be those people uh, who are prepared for the coming of the Lord. Let's pray for that right now. Uh, I'll lead us in prayer if you join me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news of great joy that is the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Uh, We thank you that he has died for our sin and risen, uh, that he has saved us from your wrath and given us eternal life with you. And Father, we thank you for your word to us through John. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, that he prepared people for uh, your son's first coming. And even today, he prepares us uh, for you to come again. Father, I pray that we'll be those people who do rejoice, uh, that we know you and know salvation through you, but we'd also be those who repent of our sin and seek to live a life that is pleasing to you through faith in Christ. I pray, Father, do this work in us as we hear your word and as you work in us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.